0: We're going to be turning to our Bibles into James chapter 1. Jordan, you probably need yours. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We've got some young, amazing guys from the youth group that are going to be passing out Bibles. So if you need one, raise your hand. But go ahead and turn to James chapter 1, if you will. All right. Before we go any further, I think it's fitting that we should pray, and then we'll get into it. So, dear Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for what a unique time it is being able to look back at what the last year has been, what you're doing even now and today, any these moments in our hearts as we sit here before your word and in this time of worship and fellowship. But Lord, also the excitement that we have, Lord, to be able to have vision from you, direction, to know that you are a God who will be a part of our future. Lord, we don't have to wonder where you will be tomorrow. We just want to know what you want to do and take part. And so, Lord, we just ask that as we sit before your word today, Lord, that you would just be here in our midst. Lord, would you fill us with your spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, James chapter 1. If you're not there, turn there. I'm not, obviously. So Jordan asked me earlier this week to kind of discuss discipleship. What does that look like? And... How is it done? Just all the different aspects of it, how the Word is the center, and it, it's really hard to figure out how to describe something as pivotal, pivotal, something as foundational as discipleship, something that as a body that's been well taught, we know is a command in Scripture that Jesus did so well. How do you sum that up in seven minutes? And now like six that have like used a minute of it already, right? How do you discuss discipleship? What does that look like? And so I think simply put... It's the work that God does through us in order to bring others into a relationship with Him. It's simply giving others the word and also doing life with them, right? Showing them what a relationship with Jesus looks like. And so, really quickly, I want to show you something that the Lord has really just been stirring up in me as we've been working through James chapter 1 at youth group on Wednesday nights. It's been amazing being able to slow down we were going through like a chapter a week through the book of john and now like slowing down doing a couple verses here and there and as we've been doing that there's been some really interesting like parallels if you will that when you go through scripture and you go to teach it's like what other portions of scripture is this kind of expounded on right it's not about me and my opinions it's like what else in scripture can be said and so i'm just going to read verses 5 through 11 of james chapter 1 so follow along with me if you will Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as the flower of the field he will pass away, for no sooner has the sun risen. With the burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. Now as we were looking through those things, and we kind of broke down those passages working through youth group, it was really interesting how Luke paralleled so many of those things and almost in order as well. Luke 11, 9-13 is where Jesus addresses the need for us to simply ask God for what we need and how God gives good gifts. How a good father, even if he's not a great father, knows how to give good gifts and that if you ask for a fish, you're not going to be given a serpent. If you ask for a loaf of bread, you're not going to be given rock and these things. And so later in Luke 11, he says... But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. And I think that's really interesting because then you go right back to James chapter 1, and you see verse 6, Let him ask in faith with no doubting. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind, right? So we get this kind of parallel in a way where as Luke is working through these things, James seems to almost follow along. And James is kind of like the New Testament version of Proverbs where... It's like these really short portions are deep and profound things of wisdom, that's like, I need that in my life, right? You can almost take each verse or a couple of verses at a time and just say, like, that is a word of wisdom. I need that. And then even in Luke, further down in Luke 16, Luke records Jesus' story where he talks about the rich man and the poor man, Lazarus, right? And their interaction within that, and James and Jeff in chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, talks about the lowly brother, the poor man, the rich man, those poor in spirit, those types of things. And so it's really unique just seeing that parallel, right? But it was really interesting as we were working through some of this, just thinking about in Acts and how we've worked through that as a body, how there's several moments, if you will, where Luke records him or Paul going and communing and fellowshipping with James. And so it's like, man, did Luke disciple James? That's a legitimate question that I was like, man, is there recorded anywhere where, we're like, Luke says, like, we went and raised up James as a pastor. The important thing is it doesn't matter because it's the words of Jesus. If you were to go back and look at all those passages in Luke that James seems to condense and just reiterate, all of those, if you will, are in red. They're all the words of Jesus. It's not that James, when he opens up, James chapter 1 says, James, a bondservant of God, a disciple of Luke, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He says, I'm a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the focus. That's the epitome. And if you look in 1 Corinthians, Paul does a great job of giving us those two extremes, right? It's not about developing followers of me that would produce smaller or lesser versions of me that could only really just imitate me, right? Where he says in chapter 3, verse 4 of 1 Corinthians, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human, right? It's not about producing followers of me. But he does say one thing in particular in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Jesus. And so what is discipleship? discipleship is simply sharing the words of Jesus and ushering someone into that relationship with him, giving them the position for what that looks like, to be able to see that. And so I could look at so many different people in my life who have discipled me, my grandparents, my parents, Jordan, Kristen, John Lawrence, who is my pastor back in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and so many others. But it's not that I list off, I am all a disciple of all these men, and I'm a follower of Jesus, right? And that's what discipleship is, and so our heart and cry should be just that, right? Philippians 1, 4, and 5 says, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you in all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, right? That's our cry, is that you would be ushered into that relationship with Jesus. And I'm thankful. It was unique, just this obviously being second service, even though typically this is third service time, right, is getting to share this, how much it paralleled what Jordan's going to talk about, of just that heart of wanting others to know Jesus. And that's the heart of the shepherds that we've had here between Bill and between Jordan and so many others. And so I really do want to come alongside of them in so many ways with Philippians 2, verses 14 through 16. It says, do all things without complaining or disputing. In other words, serve, be okay with it, right? Be be okay being humble, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. I don't want small versions of me in youth group. I don't want small versions of me going out into the world. I want followers of Jesus, because they could only be as good as me at my best. If I make versions of me, my best moment is the best they'll ever have, right? But if they follow Jesus, Jesus can do so much more. Jesus can do so much more than I could ever hope and dream to do in the lives of others. And so that's really what that looks like. But I also wanted to share a simple example of what this looks like. Because when you hear, make disciples, and as a well-taught body, you know it's a command, right? We're commanded, go and make disciples, that can be intimidating because it's like, what study do I use? What, how does this even work? What does this look like to make disciples? Bill one time shared a story with me how he was counseling this couple, and they were dealing with a bunch of issues, all these different things. It kind of gets to the end, and they've kind of laid everything out, and it's time for Bill to speak into it. And he's like, I don't know that I have anything for it. So he prays and he's like, Lord, I just need a word from you. And the Lord provides just that. He speaks it, and it was a word from the Lord, as he described it, of just, it changed the situation in that moment, right? The Lord was able to speak through Bill into that situation. And so he relied on the Lord. Well, not too long after, he had another situation, another married couple, same issues, come in. And this time around, he goes, Oh, I know what to say this time. Except this time, it hits the ground. And the message was not, here's the piece of counsel and when to use it and when to not. It was, you need to rely upon the Lord. And so his discipleship of me was not, here's how to figure out exactly how to do life. It's, you just need to rely on the Lord. That's discipleship. Life is hard, but following God is so, so worth it. And that's what discipleship is. So give the word, give it simply. And then show others what it means to follow Jesus, and that's discipleship. So now I'm going to hand it back off to Jordan. I really do just want to say that it's awesome to see, if you guys will, just the context of like, look at what it looks like to have a heart to disciple, right? This is discipling. This is how do we multiply followers of Jesus, not just a church, a building, a brand, anything like that. It is about making followers of Jesus, knowing him and making him known.
1: All right. Thank you, Wilson. Appreciate you, man. For the remainder of our time. Excuse me. We're going to go through kind of something that would be an anticipation of the new year that's coming. We are literally on the eve of 2024. It's exciting. Starting in January, one thing to mention, Sunday sessions kick back up. Look at that in your bulletin. going Danny Posadas is gonna be sharing, and anytime you get with Danny Posadas, it's really good because dude's taking off going to Ecuador. So P- check out that, please. I would love to see you guys be a part of that and, and see listen to him. 2024 is coming. 2023 is getting ready to be gone. And we're going to take some time and think about and consider, and if I can and if you'll allow me, to really challenge us to make this coming year awesome. (laughs) Like to really get after it in certain disciplines and things. And my hope is that it would encourage you to know the Lord more and to make him known. It's pretty simple. These are things that we actually went through last year at the beginning of the year. This is a particularly amended version of it, but it's all important, and it's, I think, one of the best ways that we can kick off our new year by setting something in front of us, being challenged. You guys have your things where you're thinking, if you're anything, maybe like me or whatever, where you start off the year in diligence, and you're really cracking down on things, and then as the year progresses, you get into this, like, holiday time and your schedules go awry, and what you eat just goes falls by the wayside as far as diligence and doing what's right. Things of that nature. And just things kind of just go. And then you look forward to the new year because you can buckle back down, tighten things up, so on and so forth. And so, you know, we're, we're kind of looking forward to that time right now. My encouragement for you... Is what we'll maybe address today, I hope, is the most important thing you could ever consider as you look forward to this new year. It's gonna be Jesus, it's gonna be the Word, and so on. But this is, as a church, what I'm thinking hey, let's go through this and let's see if there's like new places where we can go, where you personally can go in this next year. We're gonna start with the Word. I'm going to go with Acts 2.42. You've heard this time and again. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's the word of God, just so you know. That's how we would apply it. Fellowship. That makes sense. The breaking of bread. It could be communion or it could also be eating food, which we love to do. And then in prayer. And so it's just saying that the church did this. This is what the church has always done. Those who have gathered together out from their homes and then in a public place like what we're in right now. This is what they've always done. The word, fellowship, eating some food and prayer. And so we're going to track through each of these things real briefly. And I'm going to maybe deposit and ask you guys to consider what this new year might look like for you as it relates to the word prayer, and fellowship, to buckle in. Now, we have people in here right now who just started attending Horizon in this last year. So a lot of this might be brand new for you, depending on where you come from. Uh, Some of you are new believers. Some of you have been in this room for 30-some years, and these are things that you will have heard time and again. These are things that Bill has sown into the church time and again. Again, I'm hoping... That there are some things here that you can tweak, that you can adjust, that maybe you can add to your daily discipline and walk with the Lord that you haven't yet done it, haven't yet done, or something like that. So consider it, take it into account. I, I will just leave you with some challenges and then allow the Lord to minister to you how He sees fit. The first thing is feasting on the Word of God. Let me share some scriptures with you. Uh, Psalm 119 verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That means I've memorized it. It's here. I know it. That I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, 105. We did this last week for Christmas. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Why would we buckle down and think, hey, let's stay right here? Well, there you go. Psalm 119, 160. 1 and 162 it says princes persecute me without a cause but my heart stands in awe of your word isn't that beautiful my heart stands in awe of your word despite all those things that were coming against me coming against david here he stands in awe of god's word it goes on to say that i rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure and in 2024, this new year coming, you guys, hoping, praying, like literally praying, God, would this be a treasure? God's words, not just the words of a man, not the words of some sage that's old. No, no. we're talking the king of the universe. You guys just pause and consider that because sometimes we just forget like we have The thoughts and the thought patterns in the heart of God, written and preserved, and we get to know Him. He's the Creator. He knows exactly how we work and how the world works. He knows these things, and so as we spend our time right here, He ministers and speaks. I want my heart to stand in awe of His Word, of Him. No matter, let's say, no matter what happens, persecute without cause. But I love His Word, right? And this is like great treasure. Amen. Let it be the case. Now, we get into Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to refer to Jesus being the Logos. And we see this, I don't know, you could maybe say this mysterious comparison or similarity between the written word of God and the revealed word in terms of Jesus. But it says, for the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. If you're wondering what to do, what's next, what the trajectory of your life is supposed to look like, you know where you can find the answers? In his word. Now, that might sound weird, because nowhere in here does it say, Jordan, Mary, Kristen. Right? But I have to admit, we would spend time in God's word, spend time in prayer and fellowship, And God would minister to us and he would speak to us. We would read a verse and He would spark something. And then you take it back to the Lord. I want to be right here as opposed to any other thing. I don't want to listen to what others have to say. Maybe like, God, what is it that you would say? And so as you spend time in the word, he ministers and he speaks. That's what Hebrews is trying to get at, one aspect of it. It helps me understand and discern what it is that God is speaking to me. And so I spend that time there. Some of this is going to be new revelation for you guys in terms of this is how you go through and make decisions. You you place it before the Lord. He's the king, he gets to be the one who rules and reigns over your life. And so here it is, Lord, what do you think? What am I supposed to do? Where do I go to college? What do I study? Am I supposed to be in a relationship? Okay, the answer is yes, but what about timing? When's the timing of it, right? Hey, the Lord will speak to you, and he'll minister it to you. You have all kinds of questions, you guys. wonderings about what this year is going to look like. Our answers are found in him, right? He's given us his word, that relationship with him. So I encourage you, it is a discerner of the thought and the intents of your heart. Sometimes it's like me wants these things. Sometimes the Lord wants these things. I want those two to merge. I find that he speaks clearly through his word. Five ways to feast... On his word, first thing is to hear his word. So these are five different ways you can intake God's word. The first one is to hear his word, Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, this was the first time I'd ever done anything like this. I whipped out my Blue Letter Bible app in the morning and I would just hang out and I would open up my scripture where it's going to be. And we'll get to this in a moment of how you can do this. And I listened to the Bible the whole way through. So I would open it up, and I'd find my place in Scripture, and I would turn on the Blue Letter Bible app. It would read to me, and I would follow along what it was reading, right? And so the first time ever, it was super fun. I would encourage you guys to give it a try. I heard the entire Word of God as I read the entire Word of God. It was awesome. Really fun discipline. First time I had personally ever done that, and I loved it. I'm doing it again. So I would encourage you guys to hear God's Word. You can also hear God's Word when you read God's Word out loud a neat practice and something that's important, something I'm just going to toss it into your laps and for you to consider. Hear his word. It's good to read, right? It's good to hear it and intake it, but it's inside your head. When you speak his word, it's powerful. When you hear his word, it's powerful. That's why we spend time, we'll read through scripture. You guys got to have an entire year of sitting in these chairs and going to home fellowship and doing Wednesdays other Bible studies where you heard God's word being read and you heard God's word being taught. Praise God for that. Let it come in. The second one is to read his word. That makes a lot of sense. We know that. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We've had that preserved right here. Read it. Spend time going through it and, pour, and, uh, and pour, pouring through it. The third thing is to study his word. So you can hear his word, you can read his word, and then you can go a little deeper and you can study the word. There's different ways you can study it. Sometimes you might think, how in the world do I study it? It's going in deeper. And those are things where if you as a church or or a person were like, man, I want to know how to study the word. Then you would email or you would come and talk to a pastor or somebody else, somebody who's done these things. And you'd ask, like, show me how to do this. Part of discipleship is that where we get into the word and show you how you study and how you uh, prepare for a message or whatever it might be. How you dig deeper into God's word ask for it. My hope, though, is that as we spend time together, anytime you would go to a, a gathering that we would have like that, we are studying it. Every Sunday morning, we study God's Word. Every Wednesday night, we study God's Word. Every home fellowship, we study God's Word. Every time you're together, perhaps, with people, you're chewing on His Word and you're considering it. You're chatting about it. You're talking through it, allowing that to be sewn deeper into your heart. So you've got hear, read, study. The fourth thing is to memorize His Word. Set your mind on things above. Memorize it. When issues come, there's a verse that pops into your mind. And then the fifth thing is to meditate on it. To consider it over and over again. When you talk about biblical meditation, we're talking about Eastern weird stuff. We're talking about a very specific thing where you fill your mind with God's word. And you're mulling it over. You know how it's, you ruminate on it like cows, like cows do, you know? How they have all their different stomachs, and they'll eat it, and then they'll regurgitate it, and they'll get a little bit more of that good stuff out of it, and they'll pop it back down in there, and it'll digest a little more, and they'll bring it back up, right? And so it's kind of gross, but it's God made cows for an illustration today. <laughs> so, but that's what meditate is. It's not clearing your mind. That's the dumbest thing you could do, just going to be honest with you. You fill your mind with his scripture and you think about it and you try to get all the juices and the nutrients out of there so that you can like grow thereby. Right. And it feeds and nourishes your soul. That's what meditation is. God would ask for you to meditate, but we're talking like fill your mind with his scripture and consider it and mull it over and know the different words and understand it like that. We're going to talk a little bit about meditate later. Who do you feast with? First and foremost, guys, you got to feed yourself. This is important. This is like the airplane, you know, oxygen mask thing. Put your own on first. Enjoy your relationship with the Lord that the overflow of your time spent in the Word spills out into the others that are around you. You are to enjoy Jesus. You have a personal relationship with Him. You would be hypocritical or fake even to try to like pour it out to others what you yourself do not have. You need Jesus. Let him fill you up and inspire others with the excess that comes from your time with him in the word. Who do you feast with? Your family, your friends. I have this. This will be up there for those of you taking notes. Just a couple I don't know, really simple ways of studying the word or having time or you feast on it with your family or with your friends or so on. You can start with a simple Bible reading one to three times a week. You sit around the dinner table, you crack open the word and you read some scripture. It does not have to be profound or anything crazy. You don't need to study five hours for it. Just put it before the, your friends. Put it before your family. Dads, you're sitting around the table. This is a good opportunity to do it. Ask some good questions. What stood out to you with what we read? What does this teach us about God or Jesus? What does this teach us about men? Are there sins to avoid? Are there promises to hold on to? Right? These are just conversation starters, that's all. There's lots of different things you guys could do. Is there any inspiration on how we should live or how we should walk or what we should do that the world would see? Meditate and memorize once a week. We had 52 devos that went on all last year. <clears throat> We're going to be shifting to something different for this year, but those will all be available, just so you know, if you want to keep hanging out in them and just go through them again. But that's a good way of memorizing Scripture. <clears throat> so, feast on it yourself, and let the overflow into your friends and family. Eat with them. Hey, some action steps. In the bulletin, you guys would have received the five-day chronological Bible reading plan, if you want to. For those of you who have never done this, I'm telling you... I'm challenging you right now. Give it a whirl. Try it. Is it hard? No, <laughs> it's not. Here's what. Hey, listen to me. I'm gonna be real with you. So I open up Blue Letter Bible and like I listen to it. And on the Blue Letter Bible app in particular, there's lots of different ways you can do it. On the Blue Letter Bible app, the, it you know it has the time on the top and m- most chapters. I'm saying the average is probably two and a half minutes per chapter. Two and a half minutes per chapter. You might read four or five chapters each day that's not too bad that's not very much time I guarantee you you waste time doing a bunch of nothing (laughs) okay if you're anything like me you probably have time anyway it doesn't take a lot of time which isn't good or bad I don't know if that's like a good way of saying it or not but I want to encourage you to give it a try as the Lord leads you whether it's going through the New Testament maybe you're like man starting out in the New Testament that's going to be a challenge one chapter a day Go for it. Start in Matthew and read all the way through. It'll be awesome. If you've never done this before, can I encourage you to try? Can I like almost just beg you to give it a try? You have the five day a week chronological. So it starts from the beginning and then it goes through. You'll have some Old Testament scripture. You'll have a psalm almost every day and you will have some New Testament scripture. It's a lot of fun. The, okay. And then you get two days to just have some fun. You get to read whatever you want. which I, I like that one a lot personally. We also have the, the seven day a week, one that we've always had as a church. And so I would encourage you, maybe pick one, whatever one fits your schedule, and like what works. And I'm telling you, you ask the Lord, what should I do? You say, Lord, what do you think I should do? And then he'll be like, whatever, and then you do it. You need to obey him, right? So consider whatever it is, you guys, there's lots of different ways to be disciplined in God's word. I'm offering you two suggestions and would challenge you with it, but there's lots of different ways, okay? So hang out in the Word, read it, they're available. If you didn't get a bulletin or you want to take some and say, hey friends or hey kids, we're going to do this together, then out there in the fellowship hall, there's a table with all the different plans and you can grab as many as you like and distribute them as you want. There's also on the, on the five day a week chronological one, you can go to their website and it's online there. And so what I do is I just have an app on my home screen and I just click it in the morning and then it opens it up and it's right there. It's really easy. So you can do that, and you can send it to your friends and family. Encouraging you guys, if you've never done it, give it a try. If you've done it for 30, 40 years, well, then you know how good it is. There's a reason you do it for 30 or 40 years, because you know how good it is. And so challenging you guys, give it a try. You will not be disappointed. It'll feed you, man. It was so sweet. We had a a, a guy last service who comes to me. He was such a sweet dude. He comes with just tears in his eyes, and he's like, this is the first year he's ever had. He spent every day in God's word. And he was just like, oh, it was so good. I'm like, yes. So I encourage you guys, if you've never done it, or if you just want to continue, I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you, dig into it. It'll pay off, you guys. You know that. Okay, next one is prayer. Prayer is learned. Luke 11:1. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, we're talking about Jesus, one of his disciples said, to, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. There should be encouragement for you in this, in that there is some learning involved. And so let's say you stink at praying, like whatever that even means. I don't even know what it means to stink at praying. But let's say you're looking at your prayer life and thinking, and you just moan. (laughs) And it's not like in the spirit, it's like a disappointed moan. Lord, teach us to pray. You could actually ask him, just like they did, I think, to teach you to pray. That he would put on your heart time, ways to pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to arm you with some things or equip you, you know, but that you would ask him to teach you to pray. When you are learning something, oftentimes it just simply requires repetition and, a, and a, like a pouring into it, being devoted and disciplined to it, which we'll get to in a moment. Prayer is perhaps one of the most important things that you could ever do because it's literally that relationship with Jesus like what Wilson was mentioning it's a relationship and prayer is that communication with God where you're spending time it's quiet Lord teach us to pray prayer is life it is a life-giving thing that God has asked us to do in the life of Jesus let me show you this in Matthew 14 it says and when he Jesus had sent the multitudes away he went up to the mountain by himself to pray when evening came, he was there alone. If he needed it, I need it. <laughs> and you need it. And Mark it says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he, that's Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. Now he wasn't alone, right? The Lord was with him. The Father was there. But notice this discipline that Jesus was in. Mark 6, it goes on to say, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. If he needed it, you guys, we need it. Could I encourage you and stand in front of you and say, will you consider adding this or continuing this type of a thing in your life? There's great New Year's resolutions, whatever, word of God and prayer. Like, man, I'm telling you, let that be the absolute top of the list. To spend time praying like you haven't prayed before. So 2023 is nearly in the books. And praise God for how you grew. And praise God for how you uh, were disciplined in certain areas. But then we've got 2024. We have opportunities and times now to grow. Another other years ahead of us for us to further be disciplined and further know him and enjoy him. And like I want to take an entire service just to beg you guys to consider it. I know so many out there, you need no encouragement, like you're in it and you're, you're all about it. But a lot of this was new for me when I started going to a church that, I don't know, just taught to the word and was, I don't know, like real, I suppose, like it was just real. It wasn't just a religious thing. Like, I want to know Jesus. And I want to be in a relationship with him. And so these things were just new to me. Like, wow, this is the kind of discipline that we see scripture would have. I just didn't know. Okay, that's why I'm sharing these. There's many out there who are new to the church or or you're new to the Lord. Like these things are life changing. The trajectory of your life is altered when you spend time with the Lord. Okay, there's a lot of other verses there. Prayer is needed and expected really quickly. There's six different times that Jesus says, when you pray, there's Matthew 6, 5, and there's just various others. But when you pray, it's not if, but when. And that was the heart of the Lord, when you go and pray. So just know that was something that the Lord Jesus spoke to his disciples, it's a matter of when. And so think about it, when do you pray? Is there time to set apart right there in your day for you to pray? And the answer is, if not, check it out, then you make time, okay? I encourage you and do it? It will change everything for the better. (laughs) Are you going to have to fight to do it? You better believe you will. The enemy does not want you to fight. Sorry, does not want you to pray, and your flesh does not want to pray. It's quiet, and your mind's going over here, and you're thinking, why do deer have white tails? When it's up, and you're like, why am I thinking about white-tailed deer right now? I'm trying to pray. Yeah, man, the enemy doesn't want that. Don't keep your mind set on him. Philippians, be anxious for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. Yeah, man, we're supposed to pray. What keeps us from praying? Allow me just to offer five things really fast. I thought it was good. This is from Donald Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines. There's a lot of books out there on spiritual disciplines that are awful. This is not one of them. Donald Whitney's Spiritual Disciplines, phenomenal book. I encourage you to grab it. Why do we find it difficult to pray? Number one, sometimes the problem is primarily a lack of discipline. Guilty as charged. Prayer is never planned. Time is never allotted just for praying. Can I encourage you to be disciplined in your prayer life? Could I ask and say or maybe suggest that you actually set time aside every day to pray? And you just know maybe it's when you wake up, you've got this amount of time that you're going to hang out in the Word, you're going to spend time praying, you're going to spend time meditating on His Word. If you do not set time aside, you will not do it. I'll just be real bold to say, if you're anything like me, you're just not going to. You just won't do it. But if you set that time aside like it's something that's important, then you'll do it. (laughs) You'll be disciplined, and it's hard, right? Our relationship with the Lord is something that is vibrant and beautiful and active. It's real. And so sometimes we can like shy away from discipline because I don't want it to become sterile. And I don't want it to become a work of the flesh. I don't want it to become a religion. But when we're talking about being disciplined in prayer, that discipline drives you into a relationship, not into a religion. Can I, could I like, could I make it that? Yes, of course, man. Our, Our ability to screw everything up is incredible. Mine at least, you know. My ability to make it something it shouldn't be is phenomenal. That's why we got friends and you know, people. That's why we have God's word to convict us and to show us. Hopefully, you guys get encouraged every Sunday. We're going to get to fellowship in a moment where that can be used as a safeguard against some of these things. To be disciplined in prayer, for me personally, you guys, has been a life-changing event. And I want to just ask you and posit this before you. If you have never... Been disciplined, or if you've never set time aside, or if you started out and it got a little wonky as the year went on, man, we got a new year to kind of hit reset and go hard into it and just allow God to minister to you through that. I'm going to fly through these, bear with me. The second thing is, we often do not pray because we doubt that anything will actually happen if we pray. So I'm like, I could be guilty there too. Where I'm like, eh, if my kids know that I'll say yes they'll ask me. They won't ask their mom. You guys play that game? They'll know. What do I think about my father? Right? What I think about my father in heaven will be revealed in in what I ask and how often I ask and when I go to him. Wilson read the text. He's a good father who knows how to give good gifts. He's not a genie. You can't rub him a little bit the right way and he's going to give you what you want. That's not what it's about. You've missed it right then. I want to align my will with his and I want to pray his prayers. But that, that requires spending time with him, doesn't it? Knowing him. And so, but I want to believe that he'll respond to my prayers. And so, okay, Lord, help me. We're going to talk about belief in a second when we get to twenty twenty four verses. So then the third thing, a lack, why won't I pray? I have a lack of sensing the nearness of God that can discourage me in prayer. Now, this is real, isn't it? Where you are praying, maybe you are disciplined and diligent in your time of prayer. You just don't feel it, like you're just talking to the wall. Your words hit the ceiling. That's about it, right? You can feel that. I feel that, I get it. If I could say this, that my feelings do not dictate reality, your feelings don't dictate reality, If God says to pray, and if God says that He hears, then I choose to believe that He does. I don't know if it's any more complicated than that. That my feelings can take a backseat to the truth of Scripture, and I press into, whether I feel like it or not, the fact that it's truth. I don't want to become accustomed to living my life based on feelings. And I struggle with it. I'm a dude, I struggle with these feelings and having... are only doing things but if you only prayed when you felt like it you will pray very little you just will you get fired up now though right like you're in church and you're fired up and hopefully you guys are encouraged and then you walk through those doors and you drive home and all of a sudden football's on and you want to eat some food and it's like oh man it's time for bed and you wake up Monday morning late because it's a holiday but then Tuesday comes and you wake up and you go to work And it's like, oh man, it's Tuesday. And I've told it, no man, like you don't ever, you're not gonna feel like it. There'll be times where things are hard and you will. I I know there are times we do feel like it, but if I only pray when I feel like it, I'm gonna pray very little. And so I wanna know the nearness of God. If I sense that nearness, praise the Lord. But here's the thing. I wanna remember that I know he's near, like he lives in you. His spirit is in you. There's no need to feel his nearness, know he's near. Are there times where he... Let you know, oh yeah, those are good times. Okay, sorry. The fourth thing, we will not pray. It says, when there is little awareness of real need, there is little real prayer. Having our eyes open to the things and the needs around us will cause us to pray. If I don't see a need for prayer, I'm not gonna pray. But all it is is like open up your eyes, have this, and I'm gonna get to that in a moment. The last thing, when our awareness of the greatness of God and the, and the gospel is diminished, our prayer lives will also be small. When our awareness of the greatness of God and the gospel is diminished, our prayer lives will be small. Remind yourself of God's greatness. That's why we spend time in his word. Remind yourself of the gospel and what Christ has done in having set you free and it becomes an overflow of your life. Bridging the gap between the word and prayer. Mike Vittasaraga helped me understand that this Thomas Manton, who I'm getting ready to quote, is an old school 16th, 17th century Puritan. He's got some good stuff for us today, though. Listen to this. You've got the word of God over here, and you have prayer. And what he's going to suggest is that meditation is this bridge between the two. Check it out. Meditation is a middle sort of duty between the word and prayer. The word feeds meditation. Meditation feeds prayer. Once again, meditation is filling your mind with Scripture, with Him. These duties must always go hand in hand. Meditation follows hearing and precedes prayer. To hear and to not meditate is unfruitful. We may hear and hear, but it's like putting something into a bag with holes. And it's rash to pray and not to meditate. What we take in by the word, check this out, I love this. What we take in by the word, we digest by meditation, and we let it out by prayer. These three duties must be ordered so that one may not jostle out the other. Men are barren, dry, and sapless in their prayers for want of exercising themselves in holy thoughts and meditations. A little do-what-you-want-with-it. Spend time meditating. Who do you pray with yourself? You know how it is. Let the excess of your time of prayer spill out into your life with others. Enjoy that time with the Lord, with your family. Spend time praying. Pray with your kids before night. Pray when they go to school. Have them bring prayer requests. Have them pray for each other. Read prayers from Scripture. Create a list as a family of really important things. Let them pray. In the weeks to come, we're going to go through, and I'm going to encourage and challenge you guys to Uh, develop a list of things that we're calling BHAG. thats big, hairy, audacious, God-sized goals or prayers or whatever you want to call them. It's a really weird name. There's a reason for it. But I want to encourage you guys to be considering and thinking what are things that only God could do. Create a list as a family that each kid would have or each grandkid or whatever, your friends, wherever you're at in life, that you guys would have these things that you can be praying for and saying, God, only you can do this. And then do that. In the fellowship hall... We've got some of these things. We did this last year and encourage you, for those of you who weren't here, didn't get them, we have these prayer guide things. If you sit there and like I said, you're trying to pray and all you can think about is deer tails and stuff and whatever else, then you can have these and you just sit here and you just, it's a way of locking your mind into prayer and just praying through certain things. Biblical virtues to pray for your kids. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. And so you just sit here and pray through These are out there in the fellowship hall. I would encourage you, pick up one, pick up two, pick up 53, I don't care. Actually, leave some for others. Don't pick up 53. (laughs) But this is a a really good way of keeping your mind set on it. Some action steps. Go grab these things. Create lists. From our week of prayer and fasting, we have a a list that's there that you guys can just chew on and pray through. We have uh, e-coms where you can get emails sent to you on the daily where you can pray through different things. And so encourage you guys, set your mind on the Lord. Spend time in prayer. Have these things available. Make lists, etc. Etc., be disciplined in prayer. Okay, last one, and then we're gonna hit the verses, and then I'm gonna get you out of here. Fellowship. Proverbs 27 As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. I will encourage you in 2024 to surround yourself, men, with other men who can slap you in the face when you need it who can take care of you and encourage you and challenge you. Women, same thing. Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he rages against all wise judgment. This year, can it be a year, guys and girls, where you set yourself amongst people who are going to encourage and challenge you to do the things you know you should be doing, but you're not disciplined enough yourself. Hi, I'm Jordan and that's me. I need that. I need my brothers that surround me and know exactly when to pop me, know exactly what to say or whatever else it might be to get me going on the right track, to keep me accountable to the things that I need to be accountable to. I need that help. Can I encourage you to surround yourself with people who will do that? Sometimes it can be hard if you're newer or trying to get in. I get it. It's hard to just butt yourself in. But just do it. (laughs) I had to do that. When I had gotten saved, I didn't have friends who follow Christ. And so I went to a dear friend of mine. Okay. He wasn't then honestly thought he was super weird at the time. And I just had to say, Hey, I got nobody. Can I be your friend? Like me, I was a sophomore in high school. I kind of thought I was cool, but then I go to this kid and I'm like, Hey, will you be my friend? I just had to ask. It was awkward. Man, they, they, they wrote me right in, and I was part of the crew. It was awesome. And those were guys who, who helped f- uh, fashion and, and form me as a young man who just started following Jesus. Whether you're old in the Lord or young in the Lord, you guys need people. And so can I please just say, for this year, is this something you can buckle down on men and surround yourself with other men who are going to challenge you? Don't isolate yourself. Scripture tells it. You're seeking your own desire. You can't fool or hide. God's Word is not mocked. That's what you're doing. You're raging against all wise judgment. We got people here. If you need it, if you want help, if you're desperate crying out, come and say something and we will connect you. We're going to do a a better job this year of connecting men with men and women with women and so on. Home fellowships, by the way, huge, important thing. I got to just go a little faster. Hey, let's gather together this year. Let's hang out more, okay? I'm moving on. How can we do this or action steps? We're going to be going through things as the weeks progress in terms of having people gather in for home fellowships, men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, all of those things. My encouragement for you is when those opportunities present themselves, that you do something about it and see what God does. Is it going to be challenging and hard? Of course it is because it's good. All right, following up, we're done now. We're going to do this and then we're going to worship and we're going to get out of here. 2024 scripture. I want to offer you why this is important. I believe that it is important to have scripture for you personally. And would say that if you don't have like a verse for the year or or for your life or something, that you would seek it out in God's word. That you would read and you would ask, Lord, is there something that you would have for me for this year, for my life? You guys, so many of you have this. I've learned this from all of you. This is something that we have done. Uh, Bill started this and something we're going to continue it until Jesus comes back of of setting verses in front of you as a church that I believe God has put on my heart personally that will maybe be be guiding us as a fellowship or anchoring us uh, for this whole entire year. We have the one from 2023, and you notice that our 2024 version is kind of cute compared to the old one. But it's so good. Don't think that it's weak because it's cute. It's strong. But last year we had this. And so what do you do with it? You just take these and when you're praying in the morning, you just set it out before you and you consider it. Can you imagine how incredible it would be if five to six hundred of us are praying these scriptures on the daily or on the weekly into our own lives personally, into the lives of our family, but also into the lives of the church this is why I put this before you stick this in your Bible and have this in front of you. And as the Lord leads you, he'll, he'll have you pray through these in certain ways. OK, what are they? Had a dear friend encourage me and share this with me. And it captured my heart. John 1140 and love what it is. Read these, meditate on them and ask God to, to apply this into your life. Jesus said to her, who? Martha. When? Jesus was getting ready to raise Lazarus from the dead. everybody is crying. He just got done crying. And Jesus says, open up the tomb. You know, Move the stone. And Martha says, oh, Jesus, he's, Lazarus has been dead for four days. He's going to smell bad. Jesus says, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And I want to encourage you guys this year to pray this verse for us. As a fellowship and for those of fellow believers, man, our community we have, that if I would believe, I'll see the glory of God. What's he asking for me? To believe, to trust in, to rely upon, and adhere to him. And what he said he'll do, if I would just believe, I'll see the glory of God. That sounds pretty cool. So what does he want me to do? He wants me to believe. All right, Lord, help me. (laughs) I believe, help my unbelief. You guys know the drill. I'm praying this. The next one is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. To know the love of Christ. That's pretty good right there, isn't it? Would that be really good to pray into the church and to pray for each other? Oh, man. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Yes, please. <laughs> Sign me up. Hey, worship team, why don't you come on up? While I'm finishing this. That way we can have a time. Okay, 1 Chronicles. This one's a little weird. But I like it. And I hope that you guys incur- are encouraged by this. I, again, these are things I think the Lord will have for us as the year moves on, you know what I'm saying? Things that are important for us as a church to, to latch onto and to pray into. I don't take this lightly. These are serious things that I feel like God has really impressed on my heart. First Chronicles 12.32 And the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do totally pulled out of a section of Scripture and there's a context to it that's important. This is... People were presenting themselves before David as the kingdom was being transitioned from Saul to David. And these men were presenting themselves like, David, we're on your team and we're fired up for you, right? Then you've got these sons of Issachar. If you're reading through this section, it's a really unique thing. It's different than all the other patterns. You know, Judah had this many people and so, so, so. And then Zebulun. And then you've got the sons of Issachar. They had an understanding of the times. The times they were living in. And how important it is, I think, for us to be considering and knowing what are the times that we're living in. These last days that we're seeing crazy stuff unfold before our very eyes. Do you know the times you're living in? If you know the times you're living in, I think it's going to move you in a really good way. It'll inspire you to get after it. But notice this. To know what Israel ought to do. So they didn't just know the times they were living in, they knew what they were supposed to do about it. And that's so good. Like I want to pray that in for the church. For me personally, I want to know these things. Last two. Acts 2024. 20, Have you guys ever read that verse? <laughs> that was a joke. It went way better last service. Acts 2024. 20, By the way, how cool is it that it's 2024? And Acts 2024. 20, and I didn't realize that until I saw it. I'm like, Lord, you're so cool. We spent a lot of time on Acts 2024, 20, didn't we? Like a month. And I think it was the Lord, and hopefully it's something that was sown into your heart, but I think God has, us, has it for us this year. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I might finish my race with joy in the ministry which I've received from the Lord Jesus. And what is that ministry? to testify or to proclaim the gospel of the grace of God. Oh, man, that's what's up. Pray this into the church, that this would be something that anchors us this year. And finally, last one, and we'll worship, and I'll let you out a little bit late. I'm sorry. John 4, 34, 35, Jesus hanging out, talking to the woman at the well. The first person he ever revealed that he was the Messiah to openly and publicly was a Samaritan woman who was in adultery. In the heart of God is so sweet as he reaches out to people who are broken and hurting? I love that. But here he is talking to his disciples. After they come back and Jesus says, oh, no, I'm good. They went to go get food. And Jesus is like, no, nah, I already ate. <laughs> and, and they're like, what did he eat? Did somebody bring him food we don't know about? And Jesus says to them, my food, that which sustains him and nourishes him, keeps him going. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. I want to say yes to that, Right. I want to say, God, would you do that work in my own heart that my food, that which sustains me and moves me is to do the work of him. And to finish his work, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? He says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. I think that's true. And I would encourage you to pray these verses, to read them, to meditate on them, to memorize them. And to allow God to sow that into your home life, to sow that into your personal life, to sow that into the life of the ministry of this community we have here called Horizon. That you guys would hunger and thirst for this, that your food would be to do His will. And that you would look out there at the world and say, it's time to go. Time to get after We've got work to do, right? You hear that time and again. 2024, it's a year to know Him, to make Him known. That's what we get to do. Lord Jesus, have your way. We are in need of you. There's no way we can do a single bit of this apart from the movement of your spirit. And so we ask for that, that you would move within us as your church, that you would fill us and anoint us with an ability and a power to walk in new ways in this upcoming year. It's exciting. It's so fun to think about all the things that you have in store for us. No matter what comes our way, in the circumstances, the economy, the elections, whatever comes our way, Lord, this is what you've called us to do, to be in, word, be in the word, to be in prayer, to be in fellowship, to know you, to make you known. Nothing changes that. I'm so thankful we have that as our stable foundation. Lord Jesus, you sit on the throne. You reign as the omnipotent king. We worship you and are so thankful. No matter what comes, Lord, none of that changes. We have that stability. We have that foundation. We have that as an anchor to our souls. So praise you, Lord. We need you. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.